Welcome to the Mariner's Church Life Group Leader Podcast. This weekly conversation is designed to equip and resource you to build a healthy life group community that studies God's Word, practices spiritual rhythms, and changes the world together. Well, welcome leaders to week seven. Can you believe it? We're at week seven of our On the Table teaching series. Man, what an incredible series this has been. It's hard to believe that we're slowly coming into land here with only a two weeks left, uh, but it's been just so impactful. I, and I know I say this every week as we start, but I've been so encouraged by the, the patio conversations, the questions, the way uh, that you, Life Group Leader, are faithfully leaning into this discussion uh, week in and week out, the way that you're accessing the additional resources that are available to, throughout the series. It has been just uh, so incredibly encouraging, and I do not uh, share that encouragement by myself, nor do I share this episode by myself. Uh, after a little bit of a, a break, but uh, happy to have him back per the request of thousands of listeners. It is my <laughs> great friend and our lead pastor of the Irvine Congregation, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jared Kirkwood. Well, I'm so <laughs> glad to be here. Thousands of requests. That's thousands. Quite, it's quite amazing. No, it has. It's really. Uh, it's really fun for me to get to be um, back with um, with our amazing life group leaders um, as someone in a life group right now, I know how important it is to be led by someone who is well-equipped, passionate about the group, and is really capable of just generating good conversation. And so I am so grateful for you, life group leader, just because um, I know you may not feel like you have all the answers, especially in a series as as kind of complex as this one is, but just your facilitation, just your being presence and, and asking some questions, learning how to listen, you make a profound difference in the spiritual growth of every person at this church. And so I'm so, so grateful for that. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I mean, we, we could not have... Um kind of the robustness to what God is doing uh, here at Mariners with, without on the ground, of course. missionally entrenched disciples who are discipling other people. So that, that's what you're doing, Life Group Leaders. And man, we're, we're so proud of what, what, what's happening. So um, as we take the turn uh, to this week's conversation, um, last week we talked about God's design for sex. The week before that we talked about um, the biblical view of, of gender and gender dysphoria and the transgender movement. And we're not steering away from the conversation around sex. So this week, mm-hmm. um, we're talking about uh, marriage and singleness and uh, same-sex attraction. And, and so we know, again, when we turn the table towards this part of the conversation, that as it is every week, there are going to be real experiences, opinions, hurts, hopes, mm-hmm. and dreams when you get into the issue of Mm-hmm. Really, the conversation about like what brings me fulfillment, mm-hmm. what brings me fulfillment, and really that's kind of the um, the thesis of this week's message. Just to, just to read it to set the tone for where we're heading in this conversation is our fulfillment as human beings is ultimately found in obedience to the one who gave his life for us. Therefore, whether we're married, single, we can reflect the gospel through our sexuality, and so. There is this pursuit often in in our lives, right, to find fulfillment of anything outside of ourselves. And when we do that, when we set up anything outside of ourselves, it'll ultimately let us down. Whether that's any relationship status, an economic status, whatever those pursuits are, all, they ultimately find find us wanting for something that that's that's of a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so the leaning question is going to help your groups to begin to think of, think about that a little bit. The things that promise fulfillment that let us that often let us down. So we're coming right off the Super Bowl, uh, Jared. We we had a we had a incredible Super Bowl party we at our absolutely house. did. <laughs> yeah, uh, you and, and some other friends over. And, and so this question is a little bit lighthearted to get you thinking along that line of, hey, 
Super Bowl commercials or commercials and ads in general, what, what are ones that stand out to you? What are the messages that they preach? And do they live up to those messages? Anything stand out for you, Mr. Well, Jared? The only one I can, I only remember a couple of them. I think uh, I've liked the one of um, uh, Ben Affleck working at the Dunkin' Donut shop. Did right. You see that yeah, one? Yeah. It's like, this is where you've been all day? Like, this is when you say you're going to work, this is what you mean? I just like that because in, in the church world, people go, what do you guys do all day? And it's right. like, well, we basically work at a Dunkin' Donuts drive through So uh, the um, the electric cars, tons of electric car, over-promising what your life would be like if you had an electric vehicle. You drive one. I do not. I got to say, it's, it's delivered on many a thing. Yes. Saving the oil change. And just, just this morning at Starbucks, this guy followed me to my car, practically got in my car and took pictures of it because he wanted to find out more about my wow, not economically friendly uh, Kia electric vehicle <laughs> that I drive. <laughs> well, I'm still uh, destroying the planet with the gas there vehicle I have. But yeah, I think you're right. This, this is a fun way to look at... Um, advertisement is designed to sell you a story. And if you buy into that story, um, for the most part, you're going to find that it's a short-lived kind of hero's journey. That you can buy the car and it is a great thing, but eventually it is not going to be the, the complete fulfillment that it was once sold to you as. Same thing with the food that gets sold, the beer ads, the whatever. There is only one ad, though, <laughs> that was in this year's Super Bowl that would fulfill, which is... He gets us. That's the one. It's the only one. So we can't say that no ads fulfilled because there were two Jesus ads in the Super Bowl this year. I'm so proud you worked that in there. Well well done, my my friend. That's fantastic. Uh, But again, the purpose of that question is to get your group thinking in kind of a a funny, lighthearted way about uh, ads that that they were gripped by and and the fulfillment that is not met because of that. And then you're going to take the turn then into the passage. The anchor passage for this week really is Matthew 19. Uh, We won't read that fully now, but this is, um, of course, you'll be familiar with it. Um, I would encourage you, actually, you're already in church, but before you have your life group conversation, you you want to go back. This is a message Mm -hmm. you want to go back, double tap on, take notes, listen well, have the group questions in hand as you're leading through the discussion because there's so much, so much in there. This is a passage where Jesus is uh, kind of confronted by the Pharisees and um, he's being hard-pressed on his view of marriage. And they're wondering if he's going to redefine it, if he's going to back away from it. And what we actually see, as it often is the case with Jesus, it's not a low bar. Actually, he raises the bar on their understanding yeah. of marriage, on the implications of, of divorce. And, and he even goes back to Genesis 1 and 2. You, this is from the beginning. Yes. This is what marriage is. It's one man and one, one woman in a covenant relationship uh, for life. Yeah. I mean, he. it is really critical when you think about when Jesus gets pressed on how he defines marriage. He goes back to the original design. Right. He states Genesis 1 and 2, which is pre-fall, and says this is how it was always intended to be. So you get this picture of Jesus, the one who is the, the, the fulfillment of all promises, the one who eventually, still in our future, is going to redeem and restore the entirety of the world. He is still calling back to the original design, saying, it was right from the beginning. We have gotten off course, and I'm, I am here to bring us back to what the original design always has been. That's right. And he even um, hits on singleness within the passage, too, which mm-hmm. is really, really important. Yeah. He talks about how that is a, is a high view, that there are some... He, he uses the word eunuch, mm-hmm. which they would have understood that a little bit um, as an actual physical... Right. Either done to them or done done by others, unfortunately. And there's a part of that which we can understand to be true today. Yes. Uh, but there's also there's a symbolic meaning for us today for those that have 
um, have chosen celibacy for those that are on a, a current situation of celibacy mm-hmm. that there's great value in that in that as well. Yeah, and I think that where, where some of this might come really to a head in our group discussion is to remind ourselves that every one of these conversations is very personal. And I think this one is probably at, at risk of being the most personal. For sure. Um, there's going to be people in our groups. There will be perhaps sons and daughters of those in our groups. There will be friends and neighbors and coworkers of people in our groups who are either same-sex attracted or who are in a homosexual relationship. Um, perhaps people who are just single and yet they are they are they are shouldered all the time with people asking them, so when are you going to finally meet somebody? When are you going to get married? As if that's the chief aim of all humanity is to be married, right? right? What I love about not only this passage and Eric's teaching is that it's going to really show that marriage is a beautiful metaphor of God's relationship to us, but so is friendship. Singleness can absolutely be one of those things as well. There's a sufficiency in Jesus that is the most important thing, not that I have found all fulfillment in my spouse. So I I just want us to remember that um, these are real people, many who will be in groups and others. Every one of us is one degree away from this conversation. And so um, to, to... talk in in a, in a sensitive kind of way of understanding but then to realize that this is beyond just just simply a, a sexuality issue this is a this is a broader cultural conversation that's taking place right now that's right yeah and, and again it's a question about fulfillment what does it take for me to be fulfilled mm-hmm. i'm i'm what does it take for me to feel complete and happy and whole and i think um jesus of course paints the incredible high view for, for marriage and what that looks like. I think sometimes even within the church that we get that, we get that wrong. We have a high view of marriage all day long, but sometimes you could say, um, not, not that it's too high of a view, but we miss, we misplace, we make marriage like the ultimate goal the of ultimate, our lives, yes, right? That's right. That's a good way of saying it. That's right. And so they're going to be folks in your group that have maybe felt that and have experienced that. And then when you see marriages that are crumbling around you it's like oh wow well i thought that was the thing that was going to bring me peace and wholeness and happiness when actually yourself the self-fulfillment pursuit within yourself is always going to let you down but it's about as eric talks about in the passage it's about a self-denial yeah it's about finding your your ultimate place in in your identity in christ and everything flows out of there there's even well-meaning people well-intentioned people that Mm. sometimes can be caught in a a different way of thinking like for instance i've got a, a a single woman on my team on my staff mm-hmm. and I had a I had a fun conversation with a guy recently who knows her has been friends of family for a long time and his comment to me was like we got to get her a husband <laughs> and I was like well if she wants that yeah. you know like it's one of those things where per- perhaps that's your goal for her perhaps that's her goal for herself but the point is that singleness is no longer something that um, is just sort of a waiting room until marriage comes around. Totally. It, it can be viewed as actually something beautiful. Paul himself did, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus himself, right? Paul who wrote over half of the also New Testament. Jesus. Like, that's, that's, that pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, another part of this conversation is going to be around same-sex attractiveness. Yeah. I mean, Eric tells, um, I think it's about five or six different vignettes of, uh, of people that, my goodness, when you talk about self-denial, what an incredible journey of self-denial that is to um, have this wrestle of an orientation mm-hmm. that many, and I know you've got people in your life, i got people in my life that mm-hmm. have wrestled with, have tried to pray away, and it just seems like, wow, this isn't, mm-hmm. this isn't going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet, the like courageous decision of 
even though there may be this orientation within me that mm-hmm. I am for the sake of the gospel and for the fulfillment of the gospel and the power of the gospel within me, I am choosing to not lean into that self-expression, that I'm choosing self-denial. I don't think you and I could could fully know what that's like, mm-hmm. you know, to live that journey. I know we have people in our lives that live that, that live that journey. Uh, but this is an important part of the conversation to share those stories, to share that wrestle of where you've seen that at work in other people's lives, maybe even people within within your group mm-hmm. that have maybe felt not comfortable to share that share that part mm-hmm. of their of their wrestle. Um, what would you say to folks as they navigate that conversation about folks that they know, maybe even folks within their group that are mm-hmm. wrestling through the, the orientation but are yet choosing this life of, of denial and celibacy? Oh, well, I mean, if, if you're talking about people who have a same-sex attraction, they're mm-hmm. choosing celibacy in a life of following after Jesus, I think that that's one of the most beautiful stories. It's a, it's a beautiful All story of saying that my, my desires are, are parts of my mind that I'm choosing to not follow after because I want to submit those to my greater desire, my greater love, which is Jesus himself. That, that right there is a, is a pretty profound storyline. I think the more common one, though, mm-hmm. is people who are same-sex attracted and they're wrestling through and they're trying to find ways to validate and justify that they can be in a same-sex relationship right. um, and, and still still find biblical founding for that. It's very difficult. I, in fact, it's not possible. Um, but, but it is one of these things where as, as a church community, um, we should do everything we can to create safe environments for healthy conversations to go, right? right? Which is why we have these follow-up workshops so coming up. We, yeah. have, we have opportunities for people to say, hey, there's, there's conversations going on about that because we don't want to make the conversation the... Um, have a stigma to it, and then people feel like, oh, if I go to that, I'm going to be cast in some certain light. No, we just try to have healthy conversations. And we're cre- we're trying to create enough space for people to ask their questions and for uh, the church to pastor people. That's right. And for people in your groups to come alongside and care for someone and, and resonate with an understanding that um, there's a part of me that wants something that I know I should be doing otherwise. Right. Back to Romans 7, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, okay, if, if that's the case, um, I think we do have quite a bit of people that this conversation is going to resonate deeply with. And so in our groups, creating safe places where people can ask questions without being judged, criticized, cast aside, um, doesn't mean that we have to condone or affirm either. It, it means we can, we, we can have a dialogue about it. Right, and he, Eric even talks about that language of questions that were sometimes asked. Is your church an affirming church? Right. Is your church a non-affirming church? And we don't use that that language here. Uh, we t- we talk about the historic view, mm-hmm. the traditional, the historic traditional view that's been passed down for for thousands of years uh, from the church that we hold to, that we hold to, and that we practice. But even that word affirming is like, well, actually, I have a lot of gay friends that I affirm, and Eric talks about this. Mm-hmm. I affirm so much yeah. in them and who they are, sure, in their personhood and in their fellowship of Jesus. There's mm-hmm. so much that I would affirm about that person. Mm-hmm. And so even that even that phrase that's kind of slipped its way into the ether of the conversation around church, is mm-hmm. your church affirming or not non-affirming? It's a really loaded kind of term sure. um, that you want to, um, there's a reason why we don't use that term. And Eric talks about that within within the yeah. message. We hold to historic marriage, but yeah. I think there there might be. I'm just imagining some of the the people that I know who are in life groups and mm-hmm. have wrestled through this. I mean, I know plenty of people who have who have kids who are same sex attracted or in mm-hmm. relationships, and and I also think that it, it might be worth us having um, 
room in our, our group time for people to just say, this is how I went about those conversations and and for them to even f- have an experience of oh, healing yeah. in the midst of that too. We don't always get this right. In fact, it's a very difficult thing to get right every time. And so for us to have a, a place where we can go, this is what I tried and I've been carrying this guilt or this weight, this burden. And for us to feel the freedom that God is pleased with you, loves you, right. is with you, like that, that's going to be very freeing for people as well. Yeah, and that's really one of the look-in questions here is how have you navigated relationships that you might find views that are contrary to yours? That's a great moment mm-hmm. to share. Like, how have you done that? Like, Jared, how, how have you and Kim, like, how have you done that with your kids? How have you talked? Right. Like, get the wisdom of the people that are in the room. Because mm-hmm. actually, when we, when we share, we can find commonality. We can find encouragement from one another. And then as it is, you know, and every week, Life group leaders, you do not have to have the answer for every question that's posed that's posed to you. Mm-hmm. It is very okay to say, man, I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like, we can have an assurance theologically, and that's all through the message and all the workshops and everything that we do that give us the foundation for what we believe. Like, the outworking of it in your relationships and your family, like, it, we understand there's there's difficulty. There's complexity, complexity that's that's in there. And so embrace that. Welcome that all the while. This is the two words of the met- of the entire sermon series, right? It's truth and grace at the same time. Yeah, it's good. Truth and grace. It's good. Very good. Uh, anything else you want to add on for us before we sign off for today? Just know that we're praying for you. Mm-hmm. I, I know that this is this is a conversation that that our, I, I love that our life groups are going to be having these conversations. Yeah. I think if you're raising kids right now, you should be talking about this stuff. If you um, have have hid and run from it. Um, this, the church should be a place where we can have healthy dialogue, be equipped to love and to care and compassionately come alongside people. And so if we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, this is a real equipping opportunity for us. And so we are praying for you. I know it's not easy, but there's always growth in the hard stuff. So let's make it happen. All right. Thank you very much, Mr. Jared Kirkwood. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.